0: In 1974, the first tabletop role-playing game was created. Since then, people from all around have gathered to play. Join me as we talk with RPG enthusiasts while they share their best, worst, and favorite moments. This is You Had To Be There. Hey everyone, welcome to You Had To Be There, a D&D storytelling podcast. Um, just so you know, if you want to be on the show, just as I always like to mention, you just drop an email to me at youhadtobethere, dndpodcast at gmail.com, so you can come on and tell some fun stories. If it's your first time joining us, pretty much we sit down with RPG players, and we talk about some crazy shit that goes down, because that's what happens all around the world, right now, tomorrow, yesterday. Crazy stories are happening. Um, so I'm just going to get right to it. Um, my guest today is, uh, he actually sent me an email, very easy to do, uh, Colin Terzai. I said that right? Yep,
1: you're good. I did it.
0: Okay. <clears throat> All right, Colin. So you um, you play, uh, you hit me up, and I do know I have a little bit of insight on you, but I'm trying to actually, instead of the standard... Out of all, because you've played a bunch of different systems, what is your favorite system that you currently play right now?
1: My favorite system that I currently play? Or have ever played um, either one of those. Um, currently play, it's very hard to say I like Vampire 5th Edition more than I like DD 5th Edition, but okay, I've definitely had more fun recently with it. Favorite system ever is actually one I've barely gotten to ever play. Okay, show me the book right here. What do we got?
0: It's the Doctor Who RPG. Oh my gosh, I've heard great things.
1: Now this is a newer version, as you can see, Capaldi's on it. Yeah, yeah. Dates it a little bit. Um, It's similar in design to the recent Fantasy Flight Star Wars game, which I have controversial opinions on but um okay. it's good it's good um, i um
0: so i don't i haven't played the doctor who game yet but uh a previous guest of mine jacob Cortis, who actually ran our call of cthulhu one shot that we did a couple weeks ago um he runs a lot of doctor who he's a uh, professional dm and he runs a lot of doctor who games um and he had a really great story about those so it's definitely something i would like to try at some okay. point i
1: mean It's definitely something that I don't think I ever want to run long term, but it's something that lends itself to a lot of good episodic gameplay.
0: I mean, if you're a Doctor Who fan like I am, you know Doctor Who is basically just mostly a series of one shots that do end up kind of having a similar story towards the end. But when you're watching Doctor Who, it's mostly just they're basically one shots. That's kind of how the the whole seasons are, are set up as.
1: Yeah, like, the um the one campaign I ran, it was basically a three-and-a-half-year series of vignettes that ended with what, at the time, we thought was the death of all the Time Lords. But, obviously, the exact nature of Gallifrey has been retconned twice now, in oh, recent yeah. memory.
0: I mean i'm sure when they started coming up with these stories and stuff their plan was like you know we'll probably do a few seasons and then the the time lords will be over and that'll be end and then next thing you know what 40 years later like just a crazy amount of years later and they're like oh no we're this supposed to be like when they what was it the 13th doctor was supposed to be like the last one or the 12th doctor and they were just like like a rip in time, and they're just like, we're just going to give you another couple more, I guess. Like, you know, it just... Yeah. They got to keep the story going.
1: Yeah, so that's that's probably my favorite system that I rarely get to play. It's either a toss-up between that or Shadowrun 5th Edition. Cool. Which I don't have them on hand. I want to say someone's borrowing them to run a game I'm not playing in. Because I actually... I, I rarely get to play myself. I am a very in-demand storyteller, so I don't get to play as a player much.
0: Those, those lifelong DMs, man, that's that's what happens when you're good at your job. That's, that's it's, it.
1: It's a cross that I'm told I'm good at bearing, so...
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's a gift and a curse, is, is when it comes down to. Uh, which is why I try not to be too good at DMing. I just do it occasionally, and I do it subpar, so I don't ask to do it a lot. <laughs> um... Alright, cool. So, when did you start uh, playing, um, like, what was your first tabletop RPG game?
1: So, the first tabletop RPG game I ever played, I actually have right here. Nice. Because it was literally the one book we had. Uh Uh-huh. AD&D, like, original Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. um, Wow. My cousin Michael and I had a mutual paternal grandfather that when he died, Basically, everyone descended upon his house just to, to get stuff. Because oh, right. he didn't really okay. have like a will in the literal sense of the word. Gotcha. And we found this in a closet. Oh my we gosh. We found like, a, a giant manila folder, like yay thick, full of just documentation.
0: That's awesome, though. That's like so. So this was your grandfather played D and D, or was it just
1: something he had in his house? I mean, I mean, I I assume he played. I never talked to him about it because I didn't discover it in the house until he died. So I assume it was either he played it or he knew people who did. Maybe he was just the host. I don't
0: know. That's he he
1: never talked about it.
0: That's like so beautiful, almost though. Like you didn't know like he played and then you found this book and, and in
1: it, it's kind of cool that's yeah, like and it's a... funny that, yeah and then i i originally was just the player because Michael was a couple years older and he was like I, I think I can figure out the math behind this yeah because i am I, i'm notoriously bad at math right so this was the worst edition to start with
0: yeah i've There's heard just a
1: thaco in it
0: yes yeah i have not and i I'm am not even
1: going to begin to talk about that
0: no, well, one of my one of my earlier guests also started off. I think with with AD and D was um uh Jay, um he he talked about it, and I've I know enough about it to know that I don't know I don't want to know any more about it. Um, I'm like I'm in the realm with you where like I I've said it before, but like if from what I've heard about that game specifically, if if someone, if I like, when I first played, I was like, I want to try this game, and that was the game I wouldn't have kept playing. I'd be like, this is way too much math and complication. Like, so I may be a baby, I may be coddled, but the fifth edition right. world is a world that works for me because I'm a simple man yeah. and I don't have time to be calculating my thacko.
1: <laughs> I, I think the the good thing about modern RPG game design, yeah, and this is this is really something we see from fourth edition to now. Well yeah. so obviously no one likes fourth edition because reasons. Uh-huh. What fourth edition started to do and what every game after it is done and says, Okay, so we know that people don't like math, but they like what they get because the math works.
0: Right. So we're gonna
1: hide all the math behind yeah. averages. Yes. And things that just happen. Cause yeah, yeah. I, the, the the most vivid memory I have of using this book is somewhere in here. There's a table that I had to use five minutes at a time to calculate how a dragon was going to be able to hit my paladin. Because I was yeah. literally always fighting dragons because I was like the son of an evil emperor who wanted to kill all magic. So naturally, I have to go hunting dragons.
0: Right. That's yeah. See, I wouldn't have. That would have been it for me. I, I would have been spent. Um. Alright, so you started... Don't, yes. And,
1: yeah, so, and there's a sidebar. If, if, if math is a problem for you, don't use a grenade in Run because then you have to use square roots. I mean, if it's
0: once in a while and I have to break out a calculator, fine. But, like, when it's described to me that, like, every few minutes, like, you were saying, like, I just... No, do I hit or not? Like, does the... I like that simple, just, oh, no, like... I agree. I agree. Yeah um cool and so so how long have you been playing then when was this when you when you started this first
1: so that would have had to have been 2004 all right so i would have been i have to pull out a calculator
0: you don't to have to worry like... about that you were young i
1: <laughs> i'd have been like six seven somewhere in that ballpark six that's or seven
0: amazing wow ish Okay, so you're, yeah, so you're a little bit younger than, that's amazing, like, so you've really been, and have you, like, during this period of time, because now, if you, have you been consistent, because now you, what does that mean, that means you're pushing, pushing like, like 10 years, 12?
1: Like, I, I have been consistently running games for 15 years, Wow. so I can, I can look my students in the eye and say, I have literally been playing a game longer than you've been alive, that's crazy. And it frightens them to their core.
0: That's, I mean, whatever. Did they, so do they know that they, that you, are you like one of those, the cool teacher that runs a and um, d So I'm, I'm definitely,
1: I'm definitely not the cool teacher, but they do, but they, they so they know what I do because right. my, my desktop background is Magic the Gathering art.
0: Okay. Well, let's get one thing clear. When I was in high school, the cool teacher was my science teacher that dressed up like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi on Halloween. So to me, that's the cool teacher. So that's what I mean. So you,
1: Yeah, I I'm the cool teacher for the kids that like anime because I perfect. can actually talk to them about it. And it isn't yeah. like.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's very cool. Nice. All right, so so when was the last time you got to be a player in a game? Do you get to do it every once in a while or
1: um last year I played in a game where a friend of mine was trying to start a game. Okay. And he's tried to start this game 3 different times. And I've played the same character every time cuz I I'm, I notoriously only play evil aligned characters.
0: Oh, really?
1: Though I play Lawful Evil, so you can tolerate me.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, Lawful Evil. And I was,
1: like, I was an evil son of a version of the Roman Empire, and I was working for Mab, Queen of Winter, and I was trying to help her, like, conquer a province or something. I feel like
0: Lawful Evil is almost sometimes scarier than, like, Chaotic Evil, because, like... I feel like well, chaotic can be a little swayed because they're chaotic, but lawful. You're like, no, it's my way or the highway, or my way or you die. Usually.
1: So for for me, the fun thing about lawful evil is that lawful evil is evil that you can overlook
0: uh. because
1: it's evil that negotiates. Okay. Interesting. It's, it's, uh-huh. it's evil. It's, it's evil that you're going to forget about because they're useful to you.
0: Okay, I got you interesting anyway i uh i haven't i haven't gone the evil route yet i i brought it up one time with my group and they were like you know what sometimes you don't want to know what you're capable of if you were to play an evil character and i was like all right that's fair um so what are you um i know you run what are you running now so you said how many games do you run a week because you said you have a few of them Um, uh one of them is virtual right
1: yeah, so weekly, I run between one and two games, depends on what part of the month I'm in. I collectively run nine games oh in a given rotation.
0: Now, is that a month?
1: Um. So most of them meet once a month. Okay. Like, my vampire game meets once a month. Um, well, let me actually look at my list here. Because it might actually it, it 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 might not be nine right now, but it's gonna be nine again soon. Soon. So it's four D and D's. Vampire. of Cthulhu. Nice. Okay, so it's seven, seven, seven. Okay, right now. seven right now. Because you, um... got two. Yeah. What? What you got?
0: Oh no! I was gonna say, have you thought about um like professionally dming or semi-professionally
1: dming so the the thing that stops me from wanting to do it professionally is it's really two things one i'm kind of a boomer when it comes to technology uh, and and i i feel like especially with, the, with how the market is right now if if, if someone's paying for dnd they're not paying for my deep theater of the mind in a discord call they are okay. like they are paying for a person who can make all the bells and whistles on roll twenty work or fantasy grounds.
0: Now that makes sense. I like, I'm kind I'm, of with you. Like I'm, we tried using foundry and it was really cool, but I felt so stupid. I was like, I don't know. Just rather just describe it to me instead. Um, I just I,
1: I, re- I really like fantasy grounds as a platform because I I find it more intuitive than roll twenty. The problem is it's so much more expensive because they they nickel and dime you on everything. Right. And as a marketplace, DD is for people that don't have the money for an expensive hobby most of the time. Yeah. So just roll twenty is where we're at. And then the other part of it is I run DD to tell stories. And like as an artist I don't make my art to make money like I've had I, I published a novel five years ago that's sold less than a thousand copies like I don't care if my art is profitable well if it makes so you feel
0: any better I can't so
1: like <laughs> I I can't do it for a living because I'm not gonna be passionate enough about the business side of things
0: right um to make it right real quick i'm gonna ask you can you um can you move your camera just a little bit because you're getting cut off a little bit on my screen just like t- make it show your face a little more there we go that's a little better there um what i was gonna say is have no fear because i'm pretty sure professional dms don't make a lot of money um oh, but right. i'm sure you do like, as someone who's a also a stand-up comic uh i don't do my art for money because it's almost impossible but i get what you're saying it makes sense like you don't want to it's like the person that can sing really well, but they're like, "I'm not going to go pursue a singing career. I just like to do it for me," and I totally get that. Um,
1: yeah, like like if if I if I at some point make it big as a streamer for whatever reason, maybe.
0: But, yeah. I um. Yeah, I I totally understand. So uh, so you have oh my gosh, so you have seven games a week, um, or well a month. A month. a month, sorry, seven games a month. Obviously, yes, yeah, a week would be crazy. A week would be. A week would be. I meant impossible. a month, yeah.
1: Um, that would be impossible with my player base. Uh,
0: so all of those except for one though are in person.
1: Yes, only a single game is virtual.
0: That's crazy. Which one is that one? Um, so
1: it's a game called Lost in Dreams, and it's a game that I started to run because a friend of mine, their little brother who's in middle school really wanted to get into D and D and I'm the only DM they know. And I was like, I mean, I'll do it, but y'all know my stories get dark. Right. Okay. So I was like, so I'm going to have an artistic compromise here and I'm going to run like, I I call it Gothic Disney. Okay. Cause it's like, it's, it's set in an alternate history where world war ii never happened world war one ends or like colonialism is still a thing so we still have mostly the same culture but like it's very stagnant like the american revolution wasn't a victory we're still british colonials and so there's there's all these disparate empires but the real fight is culture because gotcha. there's, there's the Disney Corporation that literally made sentient cartoons a la Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And then there's the Mythkin, which are like, you know, dragons, dwarves, elves. They're all real. There's hiding from human society. Because if humans actually get real magic, all bets are off.
0: It's weirdly probably factual. Yeah, that would be terrifying. Um, I know in like... A lot of games humans can, but in a real world, yeah, probably a bad idea. Yeah, well, um,
1: it, it, it's, it's especially terrifying for them because they recently found a human who got real magic and he made hags. Like, hags oh. didn't exist before. He invented them by accident.
0: Oh, no. How did he invent them by accident? I'm curious. Like, what was the. He,
1: um, he so he was in Walt Disney's will. Okay. Cause, okay. Because <laughs> Walt tried to make animation to subtly take control of the entire world through propaganda. Nudge, nudge. What the Disney Corporation is actually <laughs> trying to doing. And um, he, in in his will, he had this giant list of people who were told, "You can, you can go research whatever you want. Here's money to do it." And his research was trying to untap the psychic power of humans to the point of awakening magic. Oh my And gosh. he discovers this like Cthulhu-esque thing in the Arctic, brings it back and starts using it for like bioengineering. He becomes like a biological artificer.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And he ends up making hags literally by accident.
0: Oh no. That's that's hilarious though. I love that that like dark dark Disney. Right? The happiest place on earth I think. Um so you say so you're are you always so you said you're always geared towards like this more darker I guess that makes sense because you run like the vampire game but like and Call of Cthulhu, um. But what like as a DM do you uh, let's say do you homebrew pretty much everything?
1: So I never run rules as written okay. for a couple reasons. Um, while I respect the argument of people who want to play rules as written. The reason I don't care for it is when the rules outweigh story, story suffers, and the game is the story. If the story is higher than the rules, sure, rules consistency suffers. Right, but at the end of the day, as long as the story is good, the players aren't going to care.
0: Yes, yeah, no, that makes sense. I think flexing the rules a bit for story purposes is is not uh, is not a huge thing i mean as long as as long as it doesn't break the game you know but that's like yeah
1: and and as and well breaking the game is something we can talk about in a minute but um if my players were to tell you the tone of my game it's very gothic fantasy Mm. like it's it's dark enough to not be 40k but it's not bright enough to be middle earth Gotcha somewhere right in the middle like the the seven-year campaign we finished right as covid started ironically enough was called the great grudge war and it was 15 (laughs) years in game
0: oh no it was a
1: so seven years in real life 15 years in game
0: oh my god where
1: yeah where the, the goal was to stop this evil halfling empire from subjugating the entire known multiverse into a client-state system of slavery. Jeez. Though, in defense of the evil halfling emperor, his reason for doing it was, if the universe isn't strong enough to fight against the existential threats, we're all going to die anyway, so who cares if we're free?
0: That's true. Oh my gosh. That, the irony behind that name and the situation is, is quite hilarious. Um so all right so that's your general theme. So all right so you're talking about breaking the game. What what situation have have you broken or had a player break the game?
1: So for for me I am notorious for making what I like to call fun items. What my players like to call bro, 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 broken items. <laughs> and so. I can try to show you one. You don't have if to... that'll j- give you context.
0: You can send it to me later. I probably won't be able to see it um, from the way the stream's set up. Just tell me what's oh, what's the item. You can send, send
1: it to me later. Yeah, so I'll, um, I'll pull it up real quick. So the one that comes to mind just for sheer insanity of it is something called the Sundering Blade. The Sundering Blade. And... I'm going to give you a brief rundown on its lore, and then I'm just going to read its base damage. Okay. And oh, that'll God. be enough. So this is literally a blade that was built to mimic a near cataclysmic event. <laughs> <It's the> explosions. <laughs> so it's a plus four draconically infused greatsword, wondrous okay. artifact. Oh my gosh. Here's its damage. 2d6 plus 8d4 plus 8 poison damage plus 8d4 plus 8 lightning damage plus 8d4 plus 8 fire damage plus 8d4 plus 8 cold damage plus 8d4 plus 8 acid damage plus 6d10 psychic damage plus 8d8 bludgeoning damage what's
0: the like is what's the catch that that would be my brain what's the
1: catch so the, the catch yeah, is that you you literally cannot attune to this until until your character is both level twenty and able to cast sixth level spells.
0: Okay. So all right. So this is a way way late in the game, or you give it to them in yeah, the beginning as like, a joke,
1: and they can't even use it for a while. Well, so here's my core philosophy, right? D anD D, especially fifth edition, at its core. Once we get to like level 15 or higher, balance doesn't matter. Doesn't balance matter. doesn't exist. Right. So the game's going to break itself. So I might as well have fun while it's breaking itself.
0: I just would love to someone with that sword just go up and and splatter a goblin into all ends of the universe just <laughs> Oh the my God. damage
1: is 287
0: yeah exactly just for 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 just the comical aspect of it but that's so it's so many dice you you don't it I, is it i don't is. i'm like very like i like you said like um, i'm kind of a boomer when it comes to d d because like i played a few virtual right. and usually we're just on the honor system but a buddy of mine on was like no you have to like roll in roll 20 and I was like I'm not doing that and i made i was like he was like but I need to see a rolls, and I was like, okay. So I like turned my camera down so he could see my dice. I was like, I'm not rolling on that crap. That sword, I, I would definitely roll with an app yeah. on that sword. I would not roll that so, many dice and try and add all that. It's funny.
1: Um, after they got to level 22, a bunch of my core players were like, "We're gonna roll the first time of the night with this thing. We're just taking the average the rest of the way. Yeah, it's literally that... all of our dice." and that's i it. was like i'm not going to stop you from making life easier for you
0: yeah i feel like rolling that many dice is like when someone first gets to your like your place and they're like a dice goblin they have their sack and they just go that's all the damage that that sword does
1: well what's funny is that isn't even the largest amount of damage i've personally had to roll as the dungeon master
0: oh my god so so okay so then i guess that's my other the counter argument is you give them broken items but that also means you can throw some some stupid stuff at them. Yes. And that makes it fun for you. So you're like, all right, well, they're going to kill half of my big big bad with one swipe of this sword. I might
1: make them real big, 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 big bad. Well, k- keep in mind the, like, big bad evil guy at the end of that campaign was the emperor of all creation and five of an empire's gods all okay. at the same time.
0: Who got to use this sword? The The... Um, this sword blade.
1: was used by Roland the 26th He's like this Schizophrenic wizard That is technically One of the oldest elves in all of creation Okay Because he was made by one of the primordial elders Of the universe To try to not die But he didn't work So he's just this guy he, He's kind of like Doctor Who gotcha. like, like, he, he's, he's like the doctor If he didn't give a shit
0: very funny. I and they just
1: that. he 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 he's tied to a book, and when he dies, the next magic user that picks it up becomes the new Roland.
0: Oh, okay, so that's where all the numbers come into place. Very cool. Um, is this fifth edition?
1: Technically,
0: technical. Well, technically, yeah. Breaking obviously <laughs> making rule adjustments makes it yeah. So technically, it's fifth edition. Yeah, but um, like
1: at its core, it's fifth edition. Just because it. it's it's what all my players know. Yeah. and it's it's what they could buy when we started playing together 10 years ago yeah you really don't
0: i mean i hate to say this because like obviously you should support i i like i get you know i've been getting some books i've been getting some things but like really you don't really need to spend almost any money to start playing D. oh no absolutely like, not because like, unfortunately in, um, for for yeah. all of the the material and stuff like Unless you're running the game, you would definitely need the book, but, like, if you're not right. and just want to build a character, like, do you just Google it? It's all there. All the info's there.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, um, like, a, a student asked me last year, so how do I get into playing D&D? Like, how, like, how, how, how much does it cost? And yeah. I, I looked her in the eye and said, you're not spending a dime, here's a link.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I was There's like, here's yeah.
1: Trove.
0: I do think, you know, it's, it's important to support these companies because that's part of the reason why they struggle. Um, so I, uh, I definitely, I've, and I, I, I've bought, again, I'm not a, I'm not a super creative DM because I don't have time, but like I've bought independent one shots from people and things. So it is good. Make sure you do support them. But like, if you just want to give it a try, it's like, you know, maybe the first one's free, you know, just try um, if you're, if you're someone out there and you want to play, like just. Just get get a piece of paper, get an app, yeah. that's free, and make a character. And then if you like it, then you can spend all your money on dice and stuff, like a bunch yeah, of us I've,
1: do. I, like, for, for me, I've bought every single book 5th edition has released, third party and otherwise. Nice. But that's because the last time we moved, I lost my entire 3.5 collection. Oh, um, And I'm probably never going to see that again, because that was oh. like 250 books.
0: That's but crazy. Um, How did you lose that?
1: The moving company lost three boxes.
0: Oh no. And it was the important <laughs> stuff too.
1: Yeah. They could have lost I the mean, fairly
0: heirlooms or the fine china, but not the 3.5
1: collection. Like come on. <laughs> I, I mean, but at, at some point I'll recollect them when I care enough, but I mean, yeah, yeah. I just like I like Wizards of the Coast as a company. I'm going to support them when I can. I literally own stock in Hasbro. There you go. So it's in my own self-interest. Very cool.
0: Um, nice. All right. So you run all these games. Uh, I'm. I want to hear a little bit more about. Um, so the I know the the vampire game is a big one. So what yeah. um do you you write that whole like I story with that? And then what what kind of a system? I know the system's pretty interesting, right? For
1: yeah, so for the vampire so, game. So, Vampire, or the World of Darkness, if we wish to use the, like, world agnostic term. So the World D-10s- of Darkness, is that the name of the system? That's the name of the setting. I, I think the-, the technical name for the, like, the engine that runs the game, I think it's called like, the Storyteller System. Okay. I've always heard people just call it World of Darkness, WAD, Vampire, whatever you're playing. But um, Okay. So, it's D10s to... Put it in terms a DD player is going to understand immediately. Divide your core attributes by 10, round up to the closest whole number. That's how many D10s you get to roll. Each D10 has a 6 out of 10 chance of rolling a success. Gotcha. That's roughly how the math equates out.
0: All right, so it's mostly just for lack of a better word a percentage of successes and failures of that you can roll yeah. which but it's it's more consistent than like uh some other games um so it's very exactly. role play so this is much more role play heavy
1: yeah like at the end of the day i think episode 5 of blood brothers war i literally think they only rolled to see if they gained hunger dice Gotcha.
0: Now that's a that's, that's an interesting mechanic, yeah. right? So the yeah the hunger dice, I guess what what makes them? Because I, I think I understand the concept essentially. Like they roll, and if they roll a certain number, they have to like feed, right? Essentially.
1: So uh, like so, hunger is a rating one to five. One is like I could eat. Five is I am literally incapable of complex thought until my beast is satiated. Gotcha. And the the risk of having hunger is that if you roll a one on a hunger dice, that's called a bestial failure, it is the only technical roll in the game that is a failure. Because on the black dice, the normal dice, there's blanks, there's successes, and there's one crit. There is no gotcha. fail on the test dice. Gotcha. And if you now... The, other side the messy critical if you crit on the hunger dice it isn't you that succeeded that check it's the beast inside of you that wants to eat gotcha so sure you've succeeded but you succeeded in such a way that your vampiric nature comes out
0: gotcha interesting oh man so that so probably gets really crazy um yeah
1: well, it's, it's like uh it's this delicate balancing act
0: What's your favorite? What's like one of your favorite moments playing the the
1: Vampire game? Um, I think my favorite moment right now is probably one of the one of, one of the biggest roles I've ever seen as a storyteller for Vampire, where um they're in the finale of their last season, and one of the one of their party members, a sombra think like a shadow vampire. Okay, he was trying to basically slam down what was essentially like a shadow nuclear device oh no it's the only way, <laughs> like if 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 it went off it was gonna bring everything within a hundred yard radius into essentially like the bad ending of dark souls is the only way i can really describe the <laughs> abyss in world of darkness in passing and he was tackling the evil guy that had it. Okay. And the buff that he got to that role was one of, one of the other party members, Caius Dacia, Prince of Virginia. Like okay. all, our Virginia. <laughs> I know. He, well, because
0: it takes place in the modern world, right? Well,
1: this one's in the Civil War. Oh, okay. But it's still mostly real world. But uh, okay. He so. The actual Isombra in question was from the Eastern Roman Empire. Caius was from the original Roman Empire. So as like a hype for him, he goes, you're a true Roman. And then he, and then he, and then the Jacob player for Caius looks at me and says, can I roll leadership to give him a teamwork buff? And I was like, I would be a terrible storyteller if I didn't allow you to. So he, he rolls his charisma and his leadership. And he rolls his dice and he rolls ten successes. Oh wow. Because he rolled like five crits and for and for and for every two crits he get, you get two real successes because they double up. Nice. And how teamwork tests and vampire work is one person gets to help you, mm-hmm. usually, and the person who's giving you the teamwork help, their successes on a test rolled before you Gets added to your test pool. Oh my gosh! So then, the actual Asombra to basically try to get control of the situation ended up having to look to Brian, who plays Nicholas Flamel, and says, "I need to borrow like half of your black dice because now I because now I get to roll twenty three <laughs> dice." Nice.
0: Which so that was to grapple literally... the guy with. That was like to grapple the guy with the bomb in the hand.
1: Yeah, well, it was it was to grapple him and try to control the blast. Okay. So it was it was kind of like when Yamcha. Oh my like, gosh. Yeah, with the uh, with the I forget what. I know calling, what you're talking about, but things. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh that my. kind of moment, and then they blow up, oh. and everyone else gets out of the building though, and then but because of the success that we had, I was like, so you're not dead you and this vampire that you grappled are now literally because of the explosion are now floating in the dimension of twilight which is this thin membrane of space between the real world and darkness oh my and gosh. now you and now you have to roll to see if you can get back with him or without him or you can consume him for his power and then leave
0: so, so what happened Because <laughs> now I'm on the enemy so, seat Unless so, it hasn't he, happened yet.
1: He, well, no, it has happened. I'm getting there. So okay. he, he so, so so he goes. This guy's one of like the biggest assholes in my backstory because he helped kill the progenitor of my bloodline. I have to eat this guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, you
1: gotta eat him. Now this is this is a thing called diablerie, which is really risky for vampires because if it's if it's a vampire older than you. If you eat them and subsume their soul, you gain all their power.
0: Oh. The downside
1: is their soul is stronger than yours, so you risk them taking over you, even if you kill them.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: So, so it's vampires, like this is a
0: big, this yeah. is a big risk.
1: Yeah, but hell of a reward. So they both roll their willpower and charisma, and Lysander, the sombra in question. He succeeds by a margin of one dice. One success. Oh, oh my gosh! Oh and my the, the and and the the best part of this was how, was how I narrated him winning because I, I didn't tell him he won.
0: Right, right. I yeah.
1: said so. Back to all of you who escaped the blast. Oh. You, 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 you leave Frog. You go back to your haven in Sicily. You prepare to go back to America, Francois. You're gonna have to try to make this mirror work because you have a vague idea of how this technology works. Lysander like was the one who was supposed to do it, but you don't know what's happened to him. And so he turns on the mirror, which is a conduit to the darkness, because they can basically use it for, it's not quite fast travel, but it's equivalent to it. And this hand starts to come out of the mirror. And none of them know whose hand whose it is. Whose hand yet. it is? Oh, that's so dope. And and then I describe the ring that Lysander wears because he's technically an heir to Byzantium and the moment they hear that ring they're like oh my god he's alive
0: oh my god that's so good that's so so good I love that I love that my um one of the games that we were playing in it's much smaller scale but like essentially our one of our buddies like went down in magical darkness and we couldn't find him and his first role was a was a nat one and he just messages the DM his next role and we're like trying to find him and then we're we're waiting for him and he crit on the next one natural 20 so he just comes running out because he got to the one hit point but like yeah it was that was really fun but like what you just described that sounds so intense i love that i love that like those near misses and you're just so, yeah usually for me it, i near miss but the other way but like that is that is very very cool uh that sounds like a really fun game i have recently so i i was all you know i've been doing fifth edition the call of cthulhu one shot that we did on my stream a couple weeks back on the 29th it was um was my first time playing call of cthulhu which is obviously cthulhu. is it was so fun i loved it i had a great great freaking time um i loved it i still I just, we, I
1: never i never get to run it though it's really fun you never, never get, get to, get run, to it? run it no but i love the game to death because just yeah. i love like my players of D&D know that I love Lovecraftian Mythos, because mm-hmm. I adapt the crap out of it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't get to play Call of Cthulhu, where I'm supposed to get to use so, it. Yeah, Cthulhu.
0: I think Call of Cthulhu is good for one-shots, too. Like, we just did a one-shot, and... I bet a long-term campaign's pretty cool, too, because then, like, your character actually has to, like, go into a mental institution and, like, get their shit together. Um,
1: yeah, well, the- But you know, also
0: the- just the- playing knowing yeah. you're gonna die or go crazy is also pretty fun.
1: Yeah, just just... There is a certain kind of buy-in for Call of Cthulhu yeah. that's very different as a mentality than any other RPG. Because yeah. in, 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 in most RPGs, there's some level of an assumption of success.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, oh, and, yeah.
1: And, 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 and some games do it to different degrees. Like in 7th Sea, a Monty Cook game I have over on my wall... That game is very much on the liberal end of things, where it is assumed every single time you want to do something, you're going to be able to succeed. Yeah. But it is up, but it is up to you as the player to choose how you fail to make the story interesting. Okay. And there's this meta currency exchange of like, um, panache points because it's it's meant to simulate like the swashbuckling. Three Musketeers, kind of Monte Cristo-style storytelling. Alright. And then on the opposite end of that, you have Call of Cthulhu, where you're not gonna win.
0: You're not gonna gonna
1: win. Technically, I... I, You might survive.
0: Technically, two of our characters, one of them... My character, we don't really know what happened to, and I don't want to spoil anything in case people still want to listen to it. That one's done, you know, pretty good. We almost got, like, 100 views on that one, but, like, um... One of our characters... One character 100% didn't make it. Two of them... It's kind of confusing. So, but it's like, all right, this is bad. Is the way we ended? It. it was a great, great story. I loved it. I would definitely play again. Um, yeah. The, nice. The, well, you should you the, should definitely play yeah. one. Uh, or you should definitely just run one. Just do it then, if you want to do it. I'm sure you could find like people I, to do it.
1: The the call of the Call of Cthulhu game I want to run right now is literally just adapting Lost. The show. Okay.
0: Oh, all right. That's pretty cool. That makes sense. They, uh, you know very very nice um i did have i wanted to hear uh maybe one more like crazy story so i know like you you plan all these games out you like you do you do a lot of research when you like playing
1: I, I do and i actually have a story about research that okay. is gonna blow your mind cool i'd love so, to hear um, it. so um th- so this story is called how shadow run got me a meeting with the secret service <laughs> Go ahead. So the last shadow game, try the last shadow run game I ran was set in Washington, DC. That's gonna make sense in a second. And uh, I think one I kinda... and one of their patrons, a man by the name of John Galt, because I love my references. Uh-huh. Um, he was the speaker of the house. And for context on Shadowrun, alternate future corporations have government level power. They have militaries. They have everything. John Galt hates it. Okay, like he he wants to walk that back legally and put governments back in charge where they belong. So his goal is to become president of the United States. Okay, but he knows that his platform is not popular enough for him to win legitimately. So as Speaker of the House, he does a couple things. He orchestrates a law to be passed where the president, in times of emergency, can, without the consent of Congress, put justices on the Supreme Court. And it passes, it ends up in committee later, that's a bunch of the plot you don't need to know about. What's important is is that law passes, because that's the linchpin of Galt's plan. Galt has the vice president assassinated and... Replaced by a vampire loyal to him. Okay, vampires in Shadow Run, cause why not? Cause sci fi magic. Right, right. And he uses this Shadow Run team to do all of these what seemed at the time to be completely unconnected jobs to bring enough resources together to simultaneously decapitate all three branches of the U.S. government. He he blows up. He blows up the, the, the Supreme Court, who was debating his bill. By the way, oh, <laughs> he has his vampiric vice president murder the president when there's a blackout in Washington D.C. in the emergency room, and then kill himself because he's a vampire. Just so walk out in the sun, right? Okay, and and th- and then he becomes president. Now, because he's a smart villain and wants to, you know, tie up loose ends, he, before all this happens, ranges for his shadow runners, his disposable assets, to go on vacation overseas for a while with all their ill-gotten gains, like millions of dollars in just slush money, and they show up at the airport at the agreed upon time, and they see Air Force One. Like actual, honestly, like Air Force One, and they're like, "Oh, well, I mean, Galt has connections. That's not a red flag." So they get on, they fly to Paris. Halfway to Paris, Air Force One blows up, and it kills all of them. Okay. And the players I was running that game for were very much rules lawyery, so I had to come to that session with the math to tell them how legally I just killed all of them. Oh. For like the ultimate plot twist. Because they had really trusted the wrong guy for way too long. So And it's a So how does this just wait, so did you research
0: like how to blow up Air Force One or something? So
1: I'm I'm about to get to that. Oh
0: sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No no no, you're good. I'm I'm getting
1: there. Okay.
0: It's just
1: it's all the setup. Got it. So now now to do this, I I needed the math of how to blow up a plane. Oh my gosh. So I so I go online. And I essentially look for a map of a very specific plane that I'm not going to name for obvious reasons that happens to be the model used for Air Force One. Got it. I look up how many seats are on it. I look at how many people can fit on it. I look at how much fuel goes in its tanks at any given time. I look up how much plastic explosives you can fit under a surface no. area equal to the bottom of its seats. Oh my gosh. So I look up all this information <laughs> on my home American Wi-Fi. Oh my god. And literally the day before the session, so this couldn't have been better timing. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm at home alone. My parents are both at work because they're they're nurses, so they work ungodly hours. Okay. I'm just awake at 4am crunching numbers because I'm blowing up a plane with dice and there's a respectful, but firm knock at the door. Oh my God. I look out my window and I see the most men in black looking fuckers I've ever seen in my life. Like (laughs) I don't like, I feel like their windows were tinted in like a Vanta black. Uh huh. Like it was that black and they're just sitting on my front porch in suits Shades and everything, and I'm like, okay. So I walk down into the door. Can, can I help you, gentlemen? Yeah. And they say, So we, we've been called here because of some suspicious bandwidth. And I immediately know what they're here about. And I say, Hold on. Let me stop <laughs> you right there. Come with me. And they're, they're caught off guard at first, but they're like, I mean, 17 year old white boy, clearly a nerd. Yeah. He's not a threat. They they follow me up into my office, because I have an office where I do all my gaming stuff. All right. And I pull out I pull out my notebook and I say, So all these printouts that look like terrorism, let me show you why it's not. Uh. <laughs> and then I and then I pull out my Shadowrun Rules book and say, So this is why I was looking up that information. <laughs> and I I felt like, I'd made those guards at Buckingham Palace break composure. Right. That's amazing. Because the, these men laughed so much uh-huh. that for a moment I thought I was committing homicide.
0: That's <laughs> I just, I hilarious. Not stop laughing. Where were you living at the time? Same
1: house I'm in right now.
0: So, in South Carolina. Oh my god. So, like, they sent the Secret Service probably from all the way to Washington, D.C. All yeah. the way down to South Carolina. <laughs> he thought you were going to blow up a plane.
1: <laughs> and I was like, guys, 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 it's okay. I'm just a nerd. I'm not a terrorist.
0: Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Well, um, I'm going to have to figure out a great title for, for that. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Like that's,
1: like, that's probably the most ridiculous story I have to tell. Because it's true. Probably
0: one of the best it, stories. Because it happened. This is what I'm talking it about. It happened
1: listen to these listeners out
0: here no one would even know that you can get hit up by the secret service if you just commit too hard into researching your games and now
1: yeah and some other research that got my players depressed in the great grudge war is i had to do math for a holocaust
0: oh my gosh well you know what (laughs) i uh we're
1: not going to get into for obvious reasons we're not going to
0: get into for for one reason yeah we don't want to talk about that and two we are we're pushing that limit i think we're out of time here as far as like how long the episodes are but um i definitely you know eventually i'll start circling back to people i'm sure you have an an endless well of amazing stories uh but yeah be careful be careful what you're searching out there folks because apparently uh big brother's watching they they're keeping an eye on you that's hilarious um i just i i just Did I, you tell your parents?
1: No. Oh my god. I just um i just i hope and pray that those two agents Went back to the office and were like, you know, I think I want to play Shadowrun.
0: Maybe. Yeah. That's what I was doing. like. You guys want to play? I mean, you're in town. Very, very cool. Um, all right, Colin. This was a lot of fun. Do you have anything you want to plug? Do you stream, you stream or anything?
1: Um, I mean, the, the only plug I really have is my book on Amazon. Plug it. It's like $17. Just look up my name. Amazon.com Colin Terzai. It's um, No More Heroes? question mark the long shadow
0: all right check it out folks if, if you want to what is it just like a sci-fi book or a...
1: um think if like justice league and watchmen had a very angsty child that disrupt that distrusted government
0: all right awesome well i'm going to send this out thanks for anyone who is listening if you're listening to this live here on twitch you can always check out the audio only um, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, you just look up, you had to be there, a D and storytelling podcast. And if you want to watch a lot of the videos are still up on Twitch. I finally got caught up to uploading all of them to YouTube. So all of my YouTube channel, uh, you just look up my name, Tom Silas on YouTube, and you can find all of the episodes, previous episodes of you had to be there on the YouTube, uh, send me an email at you had to be there at podcast at gmail.com, uh, to be a guest on the show. Um, My music for my intro was created by Michael James McGarry. You can follow him on It's MJ Made on uh, SoundCloud or Instagram. And my logo for my podcast was created by Nicole Summers from the Reliably Chaotic podcast. Um, And if you're listening to this just the audio or on YouTube, we go live uh, pretty much whenever I feel like it because time uh, on You Had to Be There podcast on Twitch. And on that thunderous note, that'll end uh, all of my ridiculous plugs. Um, Thanks for everyone who's listening. This has been You Had to Be There with Colin Terzai. Bye, everyone.